0: Welcome Pewter Report readers, yeah, yeah. viewers, and listeners a to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. This is the last episode of the week, but we have a great one in store for everyone watching and listening to this show. Folks, we are halfway through the year, through the calendar year, all right? There's 12 months. We're in the sixth month. We're in June here. We're actually halfway through June, technically halfway and a day through the month of June. And in the year 2022, there has been so many crazy things that have went on for the Bucks since January of 2022. We're going to discuss all of it because it is a long, long list with a lot of, you know, I don't want to say groundbreaking, but just intense stuff that, didn't really see coming with a lot of them so we'll get into a lot of that uh, i'm your host matt matera and join with me is bailey adams of PewterReport.com as well bailey thank you so much for joining the show today appreciate you taking the time to join us and discuss what should be a very entertaining list
1: yeah i mean i know the last couple of days it's been all about having the best Pewter report podcast of all time i know scott's been driving that home i think today might be the craziest pew report podcast of all time just by nature of what we're talking about. I mean, it's been, it's been weird.
0: It's good to get a little crazy too. I mean, Tom (laughs) Brady, he said the reason why he came back to play football is because he's got a little bit of uh, of crazy in him. So we're going to get into the list. We made a top 10 craziest bucks moments of 2022 goes from January to June because pretty much it seems like each month, something else has been going on. So we'll get into that. Um, But just a little housekeeping, if you want to say. Uh, we have a couple articles up at pewterreport.com. Bailey, you had an article earlier where you posted and we're talking about um, NFL analyst Adam Rank came out with his prediction for the Bucs schedule. We know it's a difficult Bucs schedule. I believe he had it 13-4, and 4, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't know, I think that that's pretty on brand. I think a lot of us going back to the... Um, you know, the schedule release episode and the predictions that came with that. I think a lot of us predicted around 11, 12, 13 wins. So I wasn't overly shocked by what he had to say, but nonetheless optimistic that people still haven't doubted the Bucks even with uh, everything that's went on this offseason.
1: Yeah, I will say he got there in the end with the 13 and four. It's just the way he went about getting to 13 and four was a little unexpected. So he uh, of the four losses he predicted, uh, a sweep again at the hands of the Saints, so extending that losing streak for the Bucks. A loss at Pittsburgh, and then what was the other one? Can't remember the other one exactly, um, but it wasn't the ones you would expect. Like he had he had the Bucks beating um, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Packers, uh, the Ravens, had them beating the Rams. It was a bunch of a bunch of ones that he that you wouldn't have expected them to drop.
0: Yeah, you know what though, I'm okay with that because. It's easy to look at a schedule now in June when they're not playing for another couple of months and be like, okay, that game's a win. That game's a win. Like no question about it. And we've all discussed about how difficult the, the first month of the season is for the Bucs with the Cowboys, Saints, Packers, yeah, Packers, and then Chiefs almost mix that up. Almost said Chiefs Packers. And by the way, just put that article in the chat. So everyone in the chat there can go and, and check out what Bailey had to say about it. But I mean, look at last season, the Bucks dropped a game to Washington, and no one saw that coming. We all predicted the Bucs to beat Washington. We all predicted the Bucs to finally get over the hump and beat the Saints in the regular season, and that has not occurred. And so I don't really get on too many analysts' case when they pick an upset in, in any regard because it happens every single year. It's any given Sunday. That's why they play the game. You can't just predict all these things. Will the Bucs have a bump in the road at some point? Yeah, I think so. They're not perfect, even though they have the greatest quarterback of all time. They're not perfect, and things are going to happen. So the Steelers is a tough one because we don't know who their quarterback's going to be. You got Mr. Trubisky there. You got Kenny Pickett there. Nonetheless, I think it would still be an upgrade over Ben Roethlisberger. We'd have to ask our boy John Ledger about that one. But we talked about Roethlisberger on the show a little bit because we did a you know player rankings, and I had Najee Harris as my 10th best running back. And I said, part of the reason why he, uh, you know, didn't have a a stellar season. I thought overall he was very solid, but you have to account for that. Big Ben could barely throw the ball more than five yards. So defenses have to, you know, they're, they're going to stack the box and force you to, they're going to force Ben Roethlisberger to pass the ball. Cause they know he can't. So I think that hurt Najee Harris. I'm going off on a tangent here, but nonetheless, I, I just think overall, I don't think you can fault an analyst for picking an upset when they happen every single year.
1: Right. And I remember the other one, the other one was the Browns, which is an interesting one given everything that's going on right now. Um, Yeah, very true. And that one, again, that one is so tough
0: to predict because if the Sean Watson plays, you know, the bucks are coming off a buy. People have different views on the buy. Some teams are like, all right, they got to come out like hot out of the box, be ready to go. Some teams are great off of the buy. Other teams, I think are a little rusty when it comes to it. So it's kind of, you know, to each their own. Another article we had up at PeterReport.com as well. Something I posted earlier. Um, everyone loves the, the saints bucks rivalry, or I should say Bucks saints rivalry. Cause the bucks are the most recent team in that division to win a super bowl. So bucks minicamp ended last week. However, there's a lot of teams around the NFL that still have their minicamp going on. One of them was the saints and the new Orleans media spoke to CJ Gardner Johnson, a defensive back for new Orleans. Uh, they spoke to him after mini camp, it looked like he was at his locker uh, in the locker room there. And they, <coughs> excuse me, got caught up there for a second. And they asked him about, um, you know, playing the box. Are, you know, is there any, is there any fear there? Is there, how, how do you feel about going up against them? And CJ Gardner Johnson, I believe, he had a right to kind of say what he said because the Saints have had the Bucks number. His quote, we got the best defense in the league. The only team that pitched a shutout on Tom Brady in the past, what, 10 years? Come on, man. People are dialed in this locker room. People are dialed in. No disrespect to Tom. He's a great player. Y'all know that. Great player. Phenomenal player. A lot of compliments for Tom Brady. <laughs> but when a lot of that gets overlooked, the defense gets overlooked because of who we're playing. You guys know that. And then he says in quotations, the defense versus Tom Brady, not the Saints, not the Saints versus Tom Brady. That's how I'm feeling right now. He was about because he's right about the regular season. The Saints have had the Bucks number. There's no argument there. You know, the Bucks haven't beaten the Saints in the regular season since 2018, when Bailey, as you pointed out, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the, <laughs> the quarterback at the time. That was week one, a very crazy game. Now, of course, the game that mattered the most, the divisional round of the playoffs, The Bucs won that game 30 to 20. But if you remember, that game was not easy for the Bucs. They went down early, but there was a clear turning point in that game. And while C.J. Gardner Johnson did not uh, name names, you could tell who he was alluding to. He said, put it like this. We're confident that we can beat them in the playoffs and the regular season. We fumbled the ball to win the game. Y'all saw it for real. Let's call it what it is. I ain't saying no names, but y'all know what happened. (laughs) That fumble messed up, right? That fumble messed up the game, and I ain't saying no names. It's football. We ain't worried about none of that. We can beat the GOAT four times, beat them consistently. Let's take them out. We sweep our division consistently every year. What are we worried about? Let's stop sending shots at single individuals. We single-handedly dominate our division every year. We dominated last year, and we were on the bubble. He's talking about the fact that they almost made the playoffs despite – the record that they had and they obviously went through the division very well. They didn't sweep the division this year. The Saints went 4 and 2, but to his point, they went undefeated in the division 2 seasons ago, 6 and 0 there, and they went 5 and 1 in 2019. So, the Saints have went 15 and 3 in the division over the last 3 years, which is very impressive. And uh, I you know, I respect what he's saying. Like I'm still taking Tom Brady almost over and the Bucks almost over like every team, but he's right in what he said about playing the Bucks. The, the the Saints' defense, in particular, I don't think should necessarily be extremely worried about the Bucks because they've played so well against them. And there's only two teams that can really say that: it's the Saints and the Rams. Obviously, the two teams that have caused issues for the Bucks over the last two years. But I see some people getting mad about it and, and things <laughs> like that. But he's not wrong.
1: Right. right? <laughs> I can't I can't fault him. Yeah, I mean, he's the Buck, The Saints have had the Bucks number over the last three, four years almost. I mean, really, if you look at it in a wider picture, yeah, the Bucks have gotten some wins here and there. But the Saints have, have been on top of them in, in most years. But I think the the wider point is the, the Saints shouldn't have any fear about playing the Bucks. There shouldn't be any fear there. You know, they know they can beat them. The wider picture, of course, the Bucks can still get swept by the Saints and still win the division. They did it last year. So on the Saints end of things, it's, you know, can you can you play over the course of a whole season? Can you put yourself in a position to win the division again and steal that crown back from the Bucs? Because last year, yeah, I mean, as a Bucs fan, you have to hate that your team lost to the Saints twice. But at the end of the day, you can say, you know, you're the NFC South champions. The Saints didn't make the playoffs. So it, you've got that and you got the the playoff game, which you talked about. And yeah, I mean, that fumbled to turn the game. But on the whole, it's you know still the Bucks division right now. I know the Saints have had the Bucks number, but you know the Bucks are defending NFC South champions, so we'll see how things play out this year, I guess.
0: I also don't think it's the best idea to give any type of you know more of a reason for Tom Brady to go out and beat a team like Tom Brady already has a chip on to add to the size and chip that he is on a, has on his shoulder by you know taking some jabs at him now in June before the season really gets here. But I I understand what he was saying. And uh, we're going to get into the list of the top 10 craziest things that have gone on this year for the Bucks. But first I do want to tell you guys about the proud sponsor of the Peter Report podcast, Celsius energy drinks and their fast brand protein bars. Guys, Celsius fast brand bars are legit. I mean, we all love Celsius because of the flavors that we got going on here. But their protein bars are at the same level, if not better. You got 20 grams of protein in these bars. The taste is fantastic. They got the white chocolate cookies and cream, along with the salted caramel peanut crunch. They're great for, you know, sometimes maybe you oversleep and you got to skip breakfast. So you got to get to work. Have that on the go helps you get through your day there. It's great right before the gym. You know, you're going to get a workout in, want to have a little something in your stomach, but not too much. Uh, It's great for that, too. It's a much healthier dessert than going and having, you know, ice cream or strawberry shortcake, wherever you want there. But another thing I've been told, too, is um, if you want to enhance your dessert, say you are going to have ice cream, you know, having a cheat day, going to enjoy that ice cream. Put a fast brand bar in the microwave, warm it for a little bit, you know, and then put that in your ice cream, it just en- enhances the entire dessert. So Celsius fast brands, uh, so many great different things between the taste, the use, it gives you the energy, the fuel that you need to get through your day, get through your workout, whatever it may be. So make sure you check out Celsius fast brands, go on Amazon. And of course, check out their energy drinks as well. I have the sparkling orange pomegranate along with a peach the peach vibe right here. Oh, awesome. Peach is One of my favorites. Like, yeah, It's definitely top five. I would have to think about if it's top three, but also white chocolate cookies and cream there and the salted peanut caramel crunch. So make sure you go to your local bodega, as I like to say, or convenience (laughs) store, whatever it may be. Celsius is all over the place. So please support our sponsors. All right, Bailey. This year has been crazy for the Bucks. As I said before, we are halfway through the year and halfway through the month and of the halfway year and from the things we've already seen it's been out of control isn't the the correct word but it seems like every single day there's something else going on that is just insane crazy don't expect it stop what you're doing and get to a computer so we can start writing up a story or You know, sometimes do a a live podcast or emergency pod, as we like to say. So we are going to get into the top 10 craziest moments from 2022. And just to preface it, because it's only the year 2022, the Bucs have only played so many games in this year. So it's not just the games themselves. It's the storylines. It's the drama. Always with the drama. Uh, That's a little Sopranos quote quote for you right there. Um, there's a lot of different storylines, some true, some not true, some 100% all the way, some eh, not 100% sure about that. So there's a different criteria for all of it. But starting off with number 10, I would say this one on the insane crazy scale is not that high, maybe like a 3.2. But I think it's more of the contract itself that is more surprising and exciting than anything else so number 10 we have the bucks re-signing leonard fournette to a three-year deal worth 21 million and uh could get all the way up to 24 million not necessarily crazy but the reason why i put this on my list is for the mere fact that once the season ended once they lost to the rams and their season was done i did not think leonard fournette was going to be back i thought there was a possibility but the big thing going into last season was the fact that Lombardi Lenny wanted that big contract or at least a little more security. And it seemed like he was going to go wherever he was able to get that. He loved playing with the Bucs and still does because he's still on the team. But it was more of an issue of, you know, he's he's got a family to feed. He's got to make sure that financially he's all right. So that's why I didn't think Leonard Fournette was going to come back. Then I thought, all right, well, what if he finds himself in another situation where he's not getting the offers that he really wants? Maybe he'll sign another one year deal, get that prove it deal and at least be on a team that he's familiar with, just won a Super Bowl with and had success the following year. And can at least, if he's only going to be on a team for one season or have a one year contract, he's going to be on a winning team. But nope, I think it worked great for both sides. The bucks get Leonard Fournette, who they know is going to be their bell cow for the next three seasons. Don't even have to really think twice about it. And they get Leonard Fournette gets, you know, three years on his deal, gets a nice payday there. I think it worked out well for both sides, but was surprising because I thought the bucks were going to be ready to move on and find a, uh, a cheaper option. Kind of like they did with drafting Rashad white, but nonetheless, Lombardi Lenny is back in the fold.
1: There was, there was two points where I thought, you know, all right, that's it for, for Lombardi Lenny in Tampa. It was, it was, You know, at the end of the season, I was like, all right, I don't necessarily think he'll be back. And then once Tom Brady retired, I was like, okay, he's definitely not coming back. They're just going to start fresh at the position. They'll find somebody find a cheaper option spend that money elsewhere. And, um, you know, it really just didn't seem like a fit. Like, why would you bring him back when you have to, you know, now find a quarterback, find out um, what you're going to do at receiver, you know, at cornerback with Carlton Davis. And then, you know, Tom Brady unretires. And it's like, okay, well, now that Brady's back, he likes Lenny. Lenny plays well with them. You know, they talk they talk about how they can kind of ad lib with each other. Does get him into trouble sometimes, as they will admit. But they're able to ad lib. They're on the same page. So once Brady came back, I was like, okay, I I could see Lenny coming back. But yeah, like you mentioned, with the three years, it seemed to be a bit of a bit of a surprise, and that's probably part of the reason it lands on this list. Um, I believe they do have the out after one year, right? Um, but even yeah, still, I mean, to, to to the way the progression of everything, the way everything went with uh, Leonard Fournette this offseason definitely is uh, not what I expected. And you
0: make a great point. Uh, I thought the whole storyline of like the the ad-libbing that Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette did was very fun. And then I forgot who called it. It, it was either Lenny or it might have been another media member, but they, they said that they kind of play like street ball. Maybe it was a coach. It might have been running backs coach Todd McNair. Don't hold me to it, but I think it might have been coach Todd McNair. He said that they almost play – kind of like a a street ball out there. And that was what you were talking about with when a play breaks down, no one might be open. Tom, obviously while a dual threat quarterback is not the most fleetest of foot, he's got to get rid of the ball. Lenny will stop what he's doing and just run his own route to make sure that he's open. Or if he's engaged with the blocker, he'll let that blocker go. So then he can create a window of opportunity for himself to get the ball and uh, and move up the field. And I don't think people realize too how important. I spoke about this a little bit on yesterday's podcast. Make sure you watch that if you haven't yet. We ranked all the uh, where the Bucks fare against the the rest of the league in their position. So Mike Evans at wide receiver, Leonard Fournette at running back. But I think people don't understand that Leonard Fournette, while important to the offense, became even that much more important and that much more of a focal point when Chris Godwin towards ACL against the saints of all teams where they that's one fewer option in the, in the passing game, uh, another receiver left, which we will talk about later on this list. And so there was fewer options along with the injuries as well, as well. So Leonard Fournette became a, a top weapon for the box. He had a very nice 69 receptions last year. That was third among running backs, Bailey. So, Leonard Fournette proved his importance in this offense. And I think going into this year, yeah, they, as Bruce Arians like to say, they they reloaded the roster with getting Russell Gage in there. We'll see how Chris Godwin looks when the season gets going. But Leonard Fournette is going to be a force in this offense, in, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and no, I I think so. And like you said, he became it, it got to a point where you know he was banged up late in the season and even into the playoffs, and you were kind of wondering, you know, with that game against the Rams, like, come on, you know, you're going to need to get Lenny back, and even not at 100, percent, he came out there and he's, you know, he scored that that key touchdown late to tie it. But you know he was he was a factor in that game, and the Bucks needed him to be because of you know what happened with Chris Godwin, what happened with Antonio Brown, and just where they were in terms of their receiver position in general. Shout out to Adam Davies
0: here. Adam, thank you so much for watching the show. Adam Davies is also a character in the show Entourage. I don't know if people in here watch that show, but a smaller character, but has beef with Ari. But anyway, Adam says, hit the like button, guys. Algorithm, baby. Yes. Thank you, Adam. Guys, if you could, just make sure you like and subscribe. It costs you nothing. Takes you a second. Just lets you know when we have the Peter Report podcast going, when we have videos go up. We posted one earlier about why Rondé Barber should be in the Hall of Fame and it's asinine that he's not in yet. But please make sure you hit like and subscribe. It it helps us a lot with that. So thank you, Adam, for reminding everyone here in the chat. Number nine on this list. Staying with the contracts, but this one was more of a saga more than anything else. And... Number nine, what I have is the franchise tag saga between the Bucks and Chris Godwin and Carlton Davis. So when the deadline was coming up, it was a big question of are they going to franchise tag Carlton Davis? Are they going to franchise tag Chris Godwin? They can't possibly franchise tag Chris Godwin for a second season. Should they franchise tag Chris Godwin? He's got the ACL injury. What type of in what type of uh situation he's going to be they have to franchise tag Carlton Davis he's their number one corner he needs to be back so the way it all played out they did not franchise tag Carlton Davis they did put the franchise tag on Chris Godwin however a little while later they were able to sign Chris Godwin to a three-year 60 million dollar deal with 40 million guaranteed and they signed Carlton Davis to a three-year $45 $45 million deal, which is $15 million per year. And the importance and the significance of this being at number nine is, one, what I just talked about of which player do they give the franchise tag to? Do they give it to one or the other? But two, the Bucks played this unequivocally, 100% perfect. Okay? Look at the deals that some of the wide receivers in this league have been getting. You know, whether it's Devontae Adams, um, who was the other big contract this year. Tyreek Hill got a huge contract. These wide receivers, and they're all deserving. I think Chris Godwin is very deserving of a huge contract as well. What Chris Godwin got compared to Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams isn't fair almost. So the Bucs got a huge, huge deal with the contract that they signed, that that Chris Godwin signed with the Bucks, where that they agreed to, and I understand there's a bit of a question mark with Chris Godwin, and he's coming off an ACL injury. You don't know how he's going to respond, especially in that first year coming back from a significant injury. But the Carlton Davis one, they hit that to a T because if they would have franchise tag Carlton Davis, I believe it would have came out to about. 17 million per
1: year, maybe even 17 or 18, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, right around that margin. So they got Carlton Davis for three years again, their number one corner, extremely important to this defense. They got him for less money than they would if they would have franchise tagged him. So the fact that there was this ongoing, will they, won't they type of thing, and they were able to keep both players and keep them under what their typical position is getting paid in the offseason slam dunk home run just insanely great job done by jason light jackie davidson mike reedberg and the box front office
1: yeah i mean you've got to clap it up for them because i I didn't see it playing out that way and it just it's one of those things where they played their cards as well as they could and i think going into the offseason the general consensus was chris Godwin's not going anywhere and you know i think to me anyway and i think it was pretty much a common thought was you know, he's going to get his deal and then they're going to tag Davis because they don't want to lose him either. And then when they tagged Godwin, it was kind of like, all right, Davis might be Carlton Davis might be walking out the door mm-hmm. and, you know, for them to get that that deal done with Godwin and then, you know, get that number down for Carlton Davis. It, I can't really believe it played out the way that it did. And who was it too? you know, even the, the the contract, you know, you mentioned Tyreek Hill and some of the other ones. Wasn't it Christian Kirk in Jacksonville, I think, that got, you know, a massive deal? Was it was it Kirk? <laughs>
0: yeah, he's played for the Cardinals. If I'm not, mistaken. yeah, yeah that's yeah. why I, I was thinking Cardinals. But yeah, he signed with yeah. Jacksonville. Well, Jacksonville, we could spend a whole podcast. Which, <laughs> by the way, Jaguars will be on this list in a little bit. You'll understand when we when we get to that number. But the Jack, first of all, the Bucs and Jaguars work a lot. I mean, they traded in the draft twice. One of them, the Bucs traded out of the first round and then drafted Logan Hall. So. They seem to be in cahoots a lot with the Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) Jason Light just fleecing people left and right to get the, you know, the the best deals possible. But yeah, I mean, you see Kirk getting a contract like that and you're like, I mean, Chris Godwin is 10 times better wide receiver (laughs) than Christian Kirk with all due respect to Christian Kirk. That's not even a shot at him. It's just what Chris Godwin does and what he means to this offense is so significant. I've long said that Chris Godwin this goes back to Bruce Arians' first year when he was the head coach before Tom Brady even got there. A lot of times, the Bucks' offense goes as Chris Godwin goes. You know, he's the tempo because he plays that role. I mean, he could play outside, but he moves in the slot as well, too. He catches balls over the middle, and at times, they use them in the backfield. Like, remember the NFC Championship game? They need to get that first down to run out the clock, make sure Green Bay didn't get the ball back. What did they do? They pitched the ball to Chris Godwin, and he ran it for a first down. So his versatility is off the charts. He gets things done in a million different ways. He's a great blocker, too. He likes blocking. He likes getting physical. So when you see that they were able to get Chris Godwin back and Carlton Davis back for the numbers that we just talked about, it was, I mean, you just got to tip your cap to to the (laughs) Bucks for what they did. Absolutely. Next on this list, switching gears a little bit here, we're actually going to talk about a game and might get a little sad for Bucks fans because it was a crazy game. Unfortunately, the Bucks lost and it was their last game of the season. They lost 30 to 27 to the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams went on to win the Super Bowl. But the reason this is on the list is because that game was insane. Okay, the Bucks went down twenty to three at halftime. It looked like all hope was gone. Then it was twenty seven to three in the third quarter. It wasn't even like the puck started chipping away. They went down twenty seven to three. But you know, in the back of my head, we all know Tom Brady and the Patriots twenty eight to three in the Super Bowl came back and beat the Atlanta Falcons. I just think with Tom Brady, it's the Brady magic. You know, you can never doubt him so even when the bucks were getting shellacked in that third quarter down 27 to 3 looks like no hope is in sight the season's going to be done brady who knows if he was going to come back at the time and when it seemed like all hope was gone the brady magic (laughs) kicked in and the brady magic isn't just with tom brady it spreads to the entire team so the bucks went down 27 to 3 then they got the ball back and punted but on the Rams' second drive, Cooper Cup fumbled. Then on the next one, the Bucks got a stop. They punted. The Rams also missed a field goal. They had that long snap that went past Matt Stafford and uh, was recovered by JPP, I believe. And also uh, Cam Akers had a fumble in the fourth quarter. And you mentioned before Leonard Fournette had that touchdown late in the game to make it 27-27 before inevitably um, the Bucks blitzed when they shouldn't have blitzed, and Cooper Cup caught the ball and set them up in chip shot range for a uh, game-winning field goal to lose 30-27. But the fact that the Bucs were able to hang tough, get those turnovers, understandably so, a lot of it was luck. You know, a bad snap that goes over the quarterback's head, a fumble when you're in a situation where you know you can't fumble the ball and you still fumble – that's a little bit of luck involved, but that's the Tom Brady magic. You can't explain <laughs> it. They just go out and it, it, it affects people in all these different ways that, and as Adam Davies says, again, shout out, Adam always contributing to the chat He said, man, that fourth quarter was wild. It was insane. The way that the box were able to come back and Bailey, I, we had two different perspectives because I was in the press box sitting next to, to, to Casey Hudson and, um, you know, the press box, you're not supposed to make noise. You're not allowed to cheer and anything like that. And I understand that, and I respect that. When Leonard Fournette scored to tie the game up, there, was some, there were some rumblings going on. You know, there were some gasps and things like that. So uh, I don't know what your take is on it. But yeah. that was, <laughs> like, just, it was just like,
1: what is going on here? <laughs> I'm trying to think. I was probably a couple aisles over from you in the press box, actually. Oh,
0: yeah, you were in the press box, too. Yeah. You weren't with Peter Report yet, but... Uh, yeah. uh
1: it was uh man, because that's the thing too is is with the old site that I was with. Part of my responsibilities on game day was writing up the game recap, and it was literally just like basically play by play. That was <laughs> happening. And so I'm just, you know, just trying to keep up, trying to keep up with this paper
0: and throw it. At, I mean, obviously you're <laughs> typing, but the proverbial yeah. paper just toss it in the trash.
1: I was trying to keep up with this game, and I just it just felt you know it felt hopeless at a couple different points, and then it gets to the point where it almost felt like the comeback was supposed to happen. Because the Bucks turned the ball over right before that snap that went over uh Stafford's head or went past Stafford. The Bucks had turned the ball over right before that. I think it was the play before that. And then the yeah. very next play, you're kind of like, all right, well, this is probably that's that's your, your chance right there. And then next play snaps past Stafford, the Bucks recover and they have life again. And then it's just they yeah, like you mentioned the one, I think it was Acres in the fourth quarter. Levante, I think, recovered that one. Yep. Um and then when it got to twenty seven, twenty seven, you're like, All right, I mean, this is you know this is the moment right here you know you might get to overtime and we'll see what happens in overtime it was just it was a bizarre game i think i think the rams had four turnovers in that game the bucks had two themselves i'm pretty sure and it was just it was crazy and the you might be the craziest part about that day was that might not have been the craziest game cuz i came home i came home from that game and watched the rest of the ram not the rams uh the chiefs bills game and that yes! was, was that same Holy day.
0: crap. Yeah. I got home in time. I think I only watched like either the fourth quarter or maybe the last two or three drives of yeah. that game, but then it went into overtime and obviously that was in. yeah, that was insane too. The Chiefs scored like what they got the ball with 30 seconds left and were able to drive down the field, whatever it was. And it um, was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and tied the game up. But thank you for bringing up that other point though, because yes, while all hope was lost when they tied that game up, it's like, all right. Bucks are winning this game. They're going to host San Fran next week. The Bucks are going back to the Super Bowl. You could write it in right now. And then again, it, that that whole game was like an episode of I don't know if you watched Game of Thrones, but that was essentially like the Red Wedding, where it's okay, we've agreed to this deal. Up, oh, nope, things are going to change. Up, oh, the Bucks come back, and then wham, they're done. <laughs> like the, the, you know the, the all the comeback, all the comeuppance. Was for nothing. The Undertaker, you know, <laughs> just came back and, you know, and destroyed it. So Ugh. that game, yeah, a roller coaster of emotions, especially in that fourth quarter where it's like, all right, it's over. Oh, they got a turnover. Oh, they turned the ball over. Oh, they got the ball back. Like, wait, yeah. what is
1: going on here? I mean- it was. There's a reason you talk to some of the players, you know, in the last couple of weeks during OTAs minicamp and, you know, each of them gets asked about that game and they're like, I'm still not over it. And there's a reason they're not over It's because of just how emotionally taxing that game was. And, you know, you have that chance. I don't remember who it was, but someone was talking about, you know, they get the game back to where it's tied and they feel like really good. I think it might've been Jamel Dean was talking about it saying, you know, they got to the point where like, you know, they feel like they're in position to win it. And then, you know, one play changes that, you know, just a few I mean in real time, probably a few minutes after they tie the game, you know, they're having to try to defend against the, you know, game winning field goal, which, you know, there's there's nothing you can do at that point. Once once they line up for that field goal, you're like, there's no way he misses this. I mean, the game's been crazy enough as it is. I can't imagine him missing this field goal and then get going to <laughs> overtime. Like that just felt like, all right, you know, it's happening. This is the end. What what a game. I
0: know. It was almost like they were so close. It was like you couldn't even put the doubt of him missing in your head. Cause I think <laughs> I, I don't remember how far it was. And I know it's Matt like Gay, Yeah. Yeah. 30, like former bucks kicker. I was having flashbacks to the bucks giants game when he missed the game winning kick, when the bucks had that huge lead and the giants came back. And so I was, I was like, oh, maybe that could happen. And again, he had missed that kick a, a couple minutes ago in the game, but it was just like, it was so close in range that I don't even think that he can miss that number seven on our list. Kind of a catalyst from the Bucks losing to the Rams. You go into the offseason. Some more stories coming out. And so number seven on here, it could have been lower. I think you might have had a little bit of a disagreement with this one. But for the sheer silliness and ridiculousness <laughs> of it, number seven on our list is the alleged, and I want to reiterate, alleged feud between Tom Brady and then Bucks head coach Bruce Arians. Uh, there was the report that Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich would come up with the game plan, and then on Friday, Bruce Arians would stroll in and be like, "Nope, nope, nope," cross it out with the red pen. Um, that was pretty ridiculous. Obviously, Mike Florio and Pro Football Talk. We'll keep shouting it until the cows come home about that. There was issues and Brady's on the move and everything like that. Nonetheless, we talked to Bruce Arians a bunch since then a ton. And he said, you know, that's all BS. Next time Tom's in town, we're going golfing. We still text each other. Yada, yada, yada. Tom Brady. Now we haven't spoken to him since uh, we hadn't spoken to him at all in the summer until he came here for minicamp. So because we hadn't seen him in that long, it was fair to ask the question, and this is how Tom Brady responded to um, a question about his relationship with Bruce Arians, if there's any truth or validity to the rumors that um, there was a rift between each other.
2: ...you two at the end of the season. Zero whatsoever, yeah. He and I have a great relationship, and I think that's, you know, part of why I chose here was because of Bruce I mean, he and I have been as incredible communication and, you know, I have great respect for him. And um, he knows how I feel about him. That's the most important thing. And I know how he feels about me. So, Did those reports bother you, Tom? Because they didn't portray you in a flattering light, some of those reports. He's got to read a lot of them. So, you know, I think part of just, there's a lot of things that aren't right that are said. And I think the thing is, you come out and try to respond to everything that's not right, you know. We don't have to be right very often. You know. it's have to be right every so often these days. And I think if people click on it, then, you know, you read more of it. And obviously, they're clicking on it. So it's what people want and what's talked about. And it may not be accurate, but that's okay. I mean, I don't make every pass either. So I don't complete every pass. So I understand that everyone can get it right all the time.
0: Interesting comment here from Ethan Claypool. He says, Tom can't answer that honestly, dot, 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 dot. Come on, man. Well, I disagree. I mean, if he truly didn't have a good relationship with Bruce Arians, I don't think he would come out and say, I hate this freaking guy's guts. But (laughs) let's look at some other elements to the alleged case. And it's tough to say these things without giving away some other things on the list. But when Todd Bowles was named the new head coach, and we'll get into that saga later, when Todd Bowles was named the new head coach and when Bruce Arians was there making his speech, Tom Brady was there front and center. You know, he was right there front and center to show his support for Bruce Arians and for Todd Bowles. When Bruce Arians had his Arians Family Foundation, Tom Brady was right there at the gala. This was a year ago, but Tom Brady was there. He was bidding on things. He donated a ton of different things. I don't know how many times Bruce Arians has to say it. I don't know how many times Tom Brady has to talk about it. They're fine. It's just other people wanting to get clicks to their website. I understand that. We're in that business too. Of Like it helps when more people read our articles. So I I understand Florio's side of it, but it just seems like these two people just want it to be true so badly that they just keep bringing it up and keep talking about it. No matter how many times both of these men deny these false allegations.
1: That's what I think there's just an element of madness to the whole thing is like, who, who are you going to believe? Like, where did like where did any of this stem from? Like it's it was a report. Mike Florio took it and ran with it. And mm. the, you ask, you know, everyone involved, and yeah, you can say I guess whatever they can lie. But like, when you look at all the facts in the whole situation, you look at what everyone's saying. You're like whose word are you going to take? You're going to take the word of you know the two people involved who have this relationship, who go golfing together, who have you know worked together the last two years. Or are you going to take Mike Florio's word? It's just it, the whole thing has never made sense to me. And it just, it, it feels like, you know, Brady Brady and Arians, that's the thing too, is everyone, everyone does seem like they want it to be true so bad. And I don't understand why, but if, you know, and there's, there's this article that came out recently, or it was Arians comments recently saying, you know, if Tom Brady had stayed retired, I'd probably still stay coaching. And people picked that up. And of course were like, oh, see, this is what happened. Brady forced him out by coming back. No, no, I I that's not what he meant. That's not what he implied. What he was saying was, you know, like he said all along, his plan was succession. And, you know, he didn't want to leave Todd Bowles and and the coaching staff in a position where they didn't have a quarterback. So he was going to stick around and stay coaching until they could find some stability again, and then he could hand it off to Todd Bowles. Or if Todd Bowles had left for some reason, he could hand it to Byron Leftwich. So it's just that, that those comments again, you take into fuel that that narrative that I doesn't,
0: isn't it it insane? It's like when you hear Florio or some of the other analysts bring up that stuff, people will listen to it loud and clear, but no one wants to listen to Bruce Arians when he's like, no, this isn't the case. Like Tom coming back made it easier to retire. So Todd Bowles can have this coaching situation. And how about this Bailey? If they hated each other so much, Why is Bruce Arians still working in the organization? He has an office. It's a different one than his head coaching office. But at minicamp, Bruce Arians was right there. He was there (laughs) with a straw hat, enjoying himself, talking to Tom, talking to the offense, talking to the entire team. If Tom Brady really wanted to not have Bruce Arians there, I'm sure he could have mentioned it. But no, Bruce is there. Tom is there. Everything is fine. I don't know what else we have to say to you know get that into people's heads. Some people will just never believe it. But <laughs> if you hated a guy so much, would you still be like, "Oh yeah, I'm still going to work together and and see him every single day"? Like, Bruce Didn't he bought him a
1: watch me. or something. Didn't you yeah. say something like you're saying he bought him a watch, like for his, for the the gala? I think.
0: Yeah, he bought him. He bought him a watch, got him a gift, and Bruce Arians and Tom Brady are both in situations. They don't need any more money. They are very well off and could go off into the sunset and retire. Bruce could play golf every single day, go on his boat, go to his uh, vacation place in Georgia. He doesn't have to be there, but he wants to be there because he loves being a part of this organization, and he loves working with Tom Brady. It just gets so ridiculous, and I, I think we've talked about that enough, but I think you yeah. get the point uh, you know, th- that we're trying to make. So moving next on the list, this – so far, we're at number six. This is probably the one to this point that at least I was most caught off guard from, no pun intended, because this one is about Ali Marpet, who was the starting left guard for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, decided to retire. And I think it was shocking just for the mere fact that he's still, he's not the youngest guy on the team, but he's still a younger player who is one of the best in the league at his positions um, has a great relationship with the rest of the offensive line, like Ryan Jensen, great relationship with Donovan Smith. He's one of the leaders on that offensive line and still very much in his prime playing some of the best football that he's done and finally enjoying the fruits of his labor with the bucks, having winning teams and winning that super bowl and contending for a super bowl the next year. So I just thought it was so surprising because He went through all the hard times of losing teams with the Bucks. Now he could still be a great player and enjoy the wins as well. Um, but that wasn't the case. You know, every player is different. I don't fault Ali Marpet at all for retiring. But it, be, it was a very surprising thing at the time for, one, the timing of it. And, and, two, just thought he'd be playing for, like, at least another five seasons before he even started to think about
1: retiring. Yeah, I mean, I think you're seeing this a little bit more with guys retiring younger, you know, with, you know, the concussion, head injury stuff, and just in general, just wanting to, to keep it, maintain their health. And, you know, when the reasons come out from Mar- Marpet, you know, you make sense. You're like, okay, yeah, I get that. But it still, it doesn't mean it was any less shocking because the guy was in his late 20s playing really, really good football on a winning team. And you weren't expecting that to be something that, you know, was part, part of this offseason. And that was still early enough in the offseason where it hadn't gotten that crazy. I know, I know Brady had retired at that point. Um, and then Marpet's retirement came, and you're like, What's what's going on there? Um, <laughs> and I was at I just couldn't like. It's funny when you look back in the off season and you remember where you were. You know when each of these things happened. And um, I know didn't Brady's initial like retirement or the the reports for retirement came out on Gasparilla, I think. It was, was just, on Gasparilla.
0: I yeah. remember vividly. We'll save that. Obviously, I mean. Everyone knows okay. that Brady retiring and unretiring is on this list. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, yes, it did happen on Gasparo. Yeah.
1: And then I just remember the um, the Marpet news came out when I think we were cleaning up. And we were, like, you know, fixing things up after my grandmother's birthday party. And I just see all of a sudden, you know, get text on my phone. It's like, Ali Marpet retired. And I, like, looked at it and I was like, no. I was like, that's not. That can't be real. And then, sure enough, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I remember just sitting there like, wow. You know, it's it's a surprise, it's a shock, and you know it was funny, of course, when Brady did decide to return. You know, they asked Marpet, and he was like, "I'm I'm still retired, you know, I'm, just, I'm I'm still I'm still done." But, um, yeah, no, it was it was one of those things where it kind of, especially for the situation they were in, it kind of left them in limbo. And I think the Bucks have done a fantastic job, you know, in terms of trying to replace him and trying to you know fill those holes at, you know at both guard positions. Um, but still, nonetheless, it was very very shocking at the time.
0: Yeah, and I think we're going to see more players retire earlier in their careers because of the, the injury histories and concussion histories and what we see with, with older players. So um, I, don't, I don't fault Ali Marpet at all. I actually commend him for choosing to, hey, listen, you know, he won a Super Bowl. He finally made a Pro Bowl last year, which was his last game of his NFL career, now that you think about it. But yeah. he could still enjoy the rest of his life and still have a lot of, you know, uh, money <laughs> from <Yeah. laughs> playing in the nfl and the bucks on the other side too they came out pretty well you know they're able to trade a, a mid-round pick and get shaq mason who replaces alex kappa they lost alex kappa um but you know that was an upgrade there and there's no replacing ali mark pat but we've talked a lot about on the show how um whoever's going to win the left guard starting job whether it's aaron stinney luke get Aaron, um, I just said Aaron Stinney, Robert Hainesy, Nick Leverett. Whoever's going to win that job is going to earn it. It's not going to be like, uh, all right, let's go with uh, you because we don't have like another right. option. You know, they're they're legitimately going to um, to earn that spot. And I think it's going to be one of the more exciting position battles for training camp coming
1: up. Yeah, I'm pumped. I, I mean, I just love the trenches, I love offensive line play, so that's going to be something I'm definitely going to look for.
0: I mentioned that Ali Marpet is still going to have a lot of money from uh, his playing career, even though he just retired. Um, If you have a lot of money and you want to have a little fun by trying to bet on something, the best place to go for that would be mybookie.ag. Guys, even though the football season is not going on right now, there are still a lot of great things to gamble on. Unfortunately, the Bolts lost last night, but you know what? They went down 0-2 last round and still went on to win the Eastern Conference Finals. So even though they're down by a game in the Stanley Cup Final, I have no doubts that they're going to be able to bounce back. You have the NBA Finals tonight. Could be the last game. Warriors are up 3-2. The U.S. Open is going on right now. Rory McIlroy had a great first round and a couple other guys in the mix. And of course, there is baseball going on. Not sure how the Rays are doing. But the Mets have the best record in baseball. You might want to, sorry, the Mets have the best record in the National League. That other team in New York that I hate has the best record in baseball. But the Mets hopefully will catch them soon. But nonetheless, there's 162 games of baseball in a season, and that can feel like a grind to watch. I get it. But you could put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props galore. First inning, no run. My personal favorite bet in all of sports. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. You deposit up to $1,000 and play with $500 instantly. Just use the promo to claim a MyBookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up. Again, using the promo code Pewter, secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to a grand. So bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie with the promo code pewter. Next up on this list, Bailey, as we get halfway through, we'll try to speed it up a little bit. We are almost an hour into this show, and we appreciate everyone uh, that is watching and listening with us. Number five on the list, we are halfway through. and This is more of the saga storyline type of thing we were going on. But the Bucs almost lost offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich because he was very close to becoming the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who we were just talking about a little bit earlier. (laughs) Got to give a shout out to my guy, Tony Khan. He runs AEW, love AEW, Uh, met him at the NFL owners meetings. But I think the big thing that fell through was not many people want to work with the Jaguars general manager right now at the time. And. I mean, we had the story on PeterReport.com. Like, it was reported. It was confirmed by a couple different sources. It seemed like a done deal. Byron Leftwich was going to Jacksonville, and then the questions were going to be, who's going to be the next offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Nonetheless, that did not come through. Byron Leftwich is back running a team that still has Tom Brady as your quarterback and a lot of good offensive weapons. Uh, Bailey, just your thoughts on... The way it went down, and how happy are you that Byron Leftwich is
1: back? Yeah, I thought he was gone. I think everybody thought he was gone because it was, you know, got to the point where it was being reported that he was gone. That it was, it was happening, um, and then you know there was just some final details to iron out, and then you kind of start to hear, you know, doesn't want to work with the GM. You know, they're still trying to figure that whole situation out, and then you're still, it's still like in the back of your mind thinking like, okay, it's it's probably going to work out. He's probably going to end up there. And then they go and make a hire, and it's not Byron Leftwich. And you're like, (laughs) all right. I mean, the the Bucs at that point had to feel pretty good about, you know, retaining their offensive coordinator. I know, you know, Byron deserves to be a head coach. I think everybody can agree with that. And I think, you know, he's going to be a head coach at some point. And in in a sense, you know, yeah, maybe he was he was going after that job and there was the ties to Jacksonville. But it feels like, you know, it's probably for the best that he did end up in Jacksonville. I know like coaches are always going to put, you know, bet on themselves and put themselves sometimes in bad situations and get the team out of those bad situations. But I mean, do you really want to step into what Jacksonville is right now? I'm not so sure there might be a better opportunity coming along uh, maybe after this year, maybe after next year, whenever it might be, I would think that Byron Leftwich is going to have, you know, some options, um, you know, that are better than the Jaguars where they are right now. But yeah, I think the bucks are in a great spot and are, are, definitely very happy to have him back. I'm sure Tom Brady is thrilled to still be working with Byron Leftwich. Um and yeah, I mean they they're going, you know, the the stability is is still there. I couldn't agree with you
0: more that like why would you want to go to Jacksonville where it just seems like a wasteland over there in terms of <laughs> hadn't had success in a while. They had the one year where they made it to the AFC Championship game with shout out to your, Blake Bortles. Yeah, I was going to say your guy Blake Bortles, <laughs> uh UCF alum both of you, and of course, Lombardi Lenny before he became Lombardi Lenny, but obviously was a a big part of that team. And it just seems every year, obviously, there's head coaching changes, but there are definitely teams when there's a head coaching change that are way more appealing than others. For example, you know, if the Cowboys decide to fire Mike McCarthy next year, I know they have Kellen Morris, the offensive coordinator, and he would probably end up becoming their head coach. But let's just say Kellen Moore wasn't uh, an option for Dallas. Like Byron Leftwich would be crazy to not go to Dallas versus going to the Jacksonville Jaguars or, you know, what if there's another team? They got a coach that just wants to retire after, but you know, they got a pretty good defense and they got a young up and coming quarterback. And I guess Jacksonville has that with um, Trevor Lawrence, but still they're going every year. There's going to be a lot of options, at least like three or four options. And regardless of who was available last year, I think the teams this year, Jacksonville still <laughs> might be in the mix. You never know. They fired Urban Meyer after a year. Obviously, Urban Meyer <laughs> did that to himself. I'm not defending him in any way, shape, or form. But this is going to be a better option for Byron Leftwich when it comes to uh, becoming a head coach in this league. And he will be a-, a head coach sooner rather than later. Number four on this list, Bailey, getting back into a rumor that was asked and not really responded to. And that was the rumors that Tom Brady wants to get minority ownership of the Miami Dolphins and play with the Miami Dolphins and team up with Sean Payton, who was the Saints head coach, um, and go down there to Miami. Now, when I first heard this, I was like, all right, this is BS. I also didn't necessarily think it was going to happen because Brady was still under contract with the Bucs, and I don't think the Bucs would just let him go for nothing. I don't think the story is completely BS now. And again, that kind of goes into what Brady had to say when we spoke to him at minicamp. He was asked about any involvement with the Dolphins in any sort of capacity, and he said that there was conversations. He didn't necessarily... Uh, deny the reports but he did say that there was conversations
2: just in general about a part of the Miami Dolphins in, in any situation in any circumstance any truth to those reports done? about me going to, to joining the Dolphins in any capacity I mean it's again I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people as I've had for the last three or four years in my career about you know different opportunities when I'm done playing football so Um, you know, I kind of made a decision of what I'd like to do, you know, I'll be, I'll get to be in the game of football. And I think for me, the most important thing is where I'm at now and, you know, what I hope to do for this team. That's, That's been my commitment to, you know, this, this team and organization. It's been so much fun for me to come here two years ago. It's been almost two and a half years now, and, uh, it's been an incredible part of my football journey and it's not over. We've still got a lot to accomplish, so I got a long life ahead and, um, you know, there's a lot of fun things to do ahead. I'm looking forward to what's ahead um, in football. But at the same time, you know, none of us are promised much beyond what we have now. And this is the current moment. And I'm really excited about going out there to try to compete and
1: win a me. championship. Sorry, you have-
0: I understand Tom Brady is never a guy to back down from a challenge. But at the time when this was when they were talking about it, not the, not the press conference with Brady, but like Tyreek Hill wasn't even there yet. And it's like, why would you want to go to the dolphins when you have the bills in the division who very much could make the super bowl this year. And like the Patriots are always a thorn in everyone's side. I mean, obviously when they had Brady, they were the the team to beat, (laughs) but even these two years or going into the second year with Mac Jones, even when they had Cam Newton, like the Patriots are never easy. You know, they're always a pain. And the Jets are on the rise. No, they're not. They might be. Who knows? <laughs> um, but, like, why would you want to go there when, sure, you got Jalen Waddell, and now you got Tyreek Hill, but I would still rather have the Bucks' entire offense than the Dolphins' offense.
1: There were so many aspects to this that were confusing, and I think still are confusing. Like, he didn't clear anything up. I mean, he just he didn't even necessarily say, yes, he had conversations with the Dolphins. He said he had conversations with a lot of people about different things, and this was while he was retired. And so there's the whole question of can they offer him minority ownership while he's playing, and can he, can you know, can they work out a trade with the Bucks to get him to the Dolphins? One, yeah, why would he want to go there? There was always too talk about how you know Brady that week where the Bucks played the Patriots last year. There was just so much fanfare and so much media around that, and it, Brady didn't play his best game, and no, he didn't throw know, a touchdown pass. He wasn't. He wasn't as sharp as he normally is. And you know, I don't know that it was all because of, you know, the all the added stuff with with playing the Patriots for the first time. But, you know, it probably wasn't an enjoyable week as enjoyable as I'm sure it was nice to see, you know, you know, Robert Kraft and people that he was always around for 20 years. But yeah, again, like it was a media circus. And would he want to do that two times a year? I don't know. It didn't seem like that was something he would want to do again. So the whole thing just seems weird. And and yeah, I'm sure maybe there was some conversations about the ownership aspect of things. And, you know, he was trying to figure out what he was going to do after football. And of course, he ultimately came to the decision of joining the Fox broadcasting team. But this entire story, there's just so many different parts of it. It like, was he going to be a minority owner after he was done playing with the Dolphins? How was he going to get to the Dolphins in the first place? It got to the point where they asked Bruce Arians, so like, what would it take to trade Tom Brady? And he was like, what do he say, five first round yeah. picks?
0: <laughs> yeah, because he's like, why would I get rid of him? It's bad business. Yeah.
1: Bad business. It, <laughs> it came, it came <laughs> to the point where he was even asked about it. So it was just, it was a, it's another wild story that kind of still hasn't seemed to die. No,
0: it hasn't. And I don't think it will for... Uh, a little bit of time. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a story next year about it. It's like this actually would have happened because I was actually <laughs> watching. So Brady was on the Dan Patrick show yesterday, and then after the Dan Patrick show is the Rich Eisen show. I, I like Rich Eisen too. Eisen as too. He's a cool guy. Um, don't know him personally. I <laughs> just just my opinion. And um, he had Florio on, and he said that. The wheels were in motion for Brady to the Dolphins and Sean Payton to the Dolphins, but then the Brian Flores lawsuit came out and that changed everything. These are Florio's words. I don't know how true that could possibly be. Um, I'm not really going to make an opinion on it one way or another because Brady's with the Bucks, and that's really um, all that matters. Talk about wild moments. This <laughs> one is a wild moment, not just for the Bucs, but for the entire NFL. And this happened very early in the year. I believe this happened on January 2nd. So very early into 2022. Happy New year. <laughs> yeah. Happy New Year. Number three on this list is the infamous Antonio Brown leaves the field in the middle of the game. As the Bucs are playing the Jets, as the Bucs are trying to get back into the game, they ultimately ended up winning when Tom Brady threw a game-winning touchdown pass to friend of the program, Cyril Grayson Jr., and the Bucks defeated the New York Jets. Bailey, this, like, I don't even know where to begin with this. There are words. There are not words. I, I will just say, <laughs> for me, it was crazy because at the time, I was doing the Peter game day uh, live stream with John Ledyard. So I had, I also had COVID at the time too. I didn't know that I had COVID at the time. I thought I just had like a cold or whatever. And then I got tested later. So I was doing the live stream with COVID watching the game, talking with John Ledyard. So I had my headphones in and I'm watching the game without, you know, volume on. And I just remember they cut to Antonio Brown with his shirt off, (laughs) hyping up the crowd and everything like that. And my immediate reaction was like, oh, they must be cutting to like a pregame thing when Antonio right. Brown was like getting ready with the fans. Yep. And then a couple, you know, seconds, minutes later, you see on social media, then I turned the volume off. I'm like, all right, I have to see what they're saying. And you find out that Antonio Brown left in the middle of the game because he wasn't getting the ball enough, even though he was like, the second most targeted receiver in that game, and just came off a game where he had, what, double-digit receptions and targets and everything like that. So where were you when this went on? What was your initial reaction? (laughs) And talk about the aftermath, too, because you had Bruce Arians at the press conference after. This was, I mean, this goes in the pantheon of absurdity in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I was uh, covering the game sitting on my couch and, you know, writing up the, like, live as the game's going on, play-by-play, writing up the recap, all that stuff. And again, like, like both of us, what we do and what I like, you know what we do in this on, on Sundays, it's like, you know, you've got to focus on the game in between plays, you got to probably take care of like, write down some notes, write something on your computer, look something yeah. up, whatever, you're kind of just going a mile a minute. And so I probably look down, I look back up and like, like you, I see it. And I'm like, Alright, he probably, like, It looks like a, a pregame shot, you know, like they warm up on the field with their shirts off, you know, maybe he's hyping up the fans, whatever. And I was and I kind of like, look up, turn up the volume. and I'm like, that's happening right now and then like i'm kind of like what's what's going on they you know they're trying to find answers we're trying to find answers and then they cut to the shot of his pads under the bench and, you know one of the the buck staffers like puts his pads down and you're like i think he just left i think he quit I don't i don't know and then there was the whole did he get thrown off the sideline did he just leave the sideline was it about an injury was it about targets and you know even antonio brown himself You know, taking the stance, of course, that it was all along, it was about his injury. I was on, he was on some podcast where he again, like kind of insinuated that it was about targets while still maintaining that it was about his injury. And it was just a wild situation where, you know, I I think. It well, is one of those things where you're never going to be like you're you're, you're going to look back on you're be like I remember exactly where I was when that happened.
0: Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent too. And the fact that they were playing the Jets, who they were my team growing up as I as I grew up in New York, I think that's like a whole another factor in it to to me personally. And there's also the other side of it too with Bruce Arians. As soon as he gets to the podium, you know he's going to get asked about. And his first words were, "He is no longer Bucks." So it's like, all right, boom. Like here, you know, here's that story. Let's uh, let's get that going. And then just everything that unfolded after it with Antonio Brown saying, like having two different stories. One that they forced him to play during, like with an ankle injury, him posting the wrong x-ray of of his <laughs> ankle and foot injury. Then he's like, I want to go in there. And Bruce Arian said no. And he said he pointed. When he was like, oh, yeah, he pointed. I don't know why I was imagining, like, in Antonio Brown's head, he's envisioning Bruce Arians is like a major league umpire being like you're out of (laughs) here you know like you know just going something crazy like that it clearly was not the case so all the different stories that ab came up with then Bruce Arians like a couple days later having to talk about it again where he's like okay at you know (laughs) at 335 I said this at 337 Antonio Brown said this at 338 39 I said and you know just like a case by case thing and the fact that it was over antonio brown another thing he had an issue with was that he asked for a bonus that he didn't earn yet and he's like the bucks are you know shortchanging me meanwhile the bucks the last game of the season purposely ran like screen passes to Gronk and guys like that to make sure <laughs> they got their incentives and they did that with antonio brown the yep. year before just one of the most bizarre stories that ever happened in the NFL and it sucked that he left, too, um, because they really kind of used him in the playoffs, especially that game yeah. against the Rams. It's one of those <laughs> what was- could have been.
1: <laughs> there was the whole thing, too, where like people were like, it was mostly a joke, but it was also like he was pretty close to those incentives that he wanted guaranteed anyway. He was pretty close to him. Yeah. And so everyone was like, did he forget that they have another game next week? Did he think this was the right. last game and that he wasn't going to get his incentives? But it was just it was bizarre. It, it made no sense. It still doesn't really.
0: Yeah. Uh, Another game that you shouldn't leave while in the middle of it is bowling. And the best place to go bowling is at Pinchasers. Ladies and gents, if you don't know by now, Pinchasers is more than just going to your typical bowling alley. They got uh, great deals every single night, whether it's all-you-could-eat pizza, all-you-could-bowl, Dollar Miller Lights. You could book uh, a birthday party there for your kids because they got bowling and an arcade room as well. So kids can... Go bowl and can go uh, play video games in the arcade room, too. Food's underrated. Pizza's great. Chicken tendies, awesome. Nachos are uh, very scintillating, too. So uh, make sure you go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane. You obviously have a lot of different locations, so there's going to be a location near you, as you see on the screen. East Pasco, Zephyr Hills, Midtown, and Veterans. Uh, There's one pretty close to the Bucks. Facility, the AdventHealth Training Center. So go to Pinchasers.net to find out about all the deals they have, including their brunch deal. A great way to start your weekend by going to Pinchasers. And again, that's Pinchasers.net. Bailey, we got two more to go, and I don't think they're the most surprising um, of the answers. So we'll d- we'll just run through it. Number two, we have the, again, surprising moment of Bruce Arians deciding to step down and retire as head coach, giving the head coaching reins over to Todd Bowles, who is the new Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. Again, the timing of it is everything. And I remember because Scott Reynolds and I were at the NFL owners meetings in West Palm Beach, and we were getting ready to speak to um, what we thought, Bruce Arians, Jason Light, and Joel Glazer. And they said that Bruce Arians wasn't going to be there, They said it was a personal matter, but they said everything's fine. Nothing to nothing really to worry about. And then a couple didn't think twice about it. And then a couple of days later, we find out that the succession process is in plan. Great show, Succession, by the way. I don't know if you watch it or if people in the chat watch it, but awesome show. And Todd Bowles is your new head coach. Again, I think it just catches everyone off guard because of the timing that you already had free agency. You already had uh, the NFL combine go on. The draft had not happened yet, but it was very surprising when you have a head coaching change like this happen when you don't see it coming. Has to be number two on this list, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it was another one of those, you know, where were you moments? And it was, it really, it was a weird, it was a weird situation where you, it was the, t- the timing, it was off. It was, um, I think it was like the last day of March or one of the last days of March.
0: Yes, it was and, definitely in
1: March. Yeah, and I remember sitting I exactly, exactly where I was. I was actually in Orlando, uh, sitting there at the Bad Bunny concert, waiting for Bad Bunny to come out. No way! You're and, a Bad Bunny guy? Yeah, yeah. Bad Bunny? And I just like it him because uh, he wrestled in WrestleMania. Yeah, oh, he was match. great, too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was sitting there, and service wasn't great. Um, you know, cell service wasn't great, and no openers or anything. So I'm just kind of scrolling on my phone, trying to get some service. And all of a sudden, I get the ESPN Uh, you know, banner update where it's like Bruce Arians stepping down. I was like, Well, that's a you know, that's a big deal. And I'm getting getting texts from group chats and stuff like 15 minutes late because I don't have service. And I'm like, Well, I can't write this up right now, but I need I'm trying to get as many as many updates as I can. And I'm just trying to like refresh Twitter, refresh Twitter. And finally, I I tell my brother who I'm with, I'm like, Bruce Arians just stepped down and Bowles is gonna be the coach. Like, I'm little by little getting the information. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, What's happening? How did this happen? So um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was on like a little mini vacation for uh, myself, my brother and his fiance. And I was like, the next day was like the, the day where they had the, um, press conference and I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I need to listen to this and see, you know, what kind of, what kind of went down. And it was, uh, yeah, it was just kind of like a landmark thing of this off season. And I think as we've talked about, you know, these previous eight things of, of how wild this off season has been, this is one that in a way is kind of like threaded through all of them. And- yes. Yes. It's you know the same thing with the one that we're going to get to here on the top of our list, where it's it's the one of like the stories of the offseason, and you know we're gonna, still going to see you know how it all plays out coming into the season.
0: Yeah, it was one of those just like what is going on here. But again, after you listen to Bruce Arians talk about why he did it, and and Todd Bowles, who obviously had had coaching experience with the Jets, and getting this chance now with just a way better roster and. The greatest quarterback of all time. It makes so much more sense. And part of the reason why they didn't was because the greatest quarterback of all time was coming back. So number one on our list, you knew this was coming, but it had to be number one. It was Tom Brady unretire Tom Brady retiring on Gasparella of all days. He had to do it to Tampa on Gasparella, <laughs> and then unretiring forty one days later. Bailey just hit me with all the craziness that went on with you when you initially when you first saw it um obviously so many emotions when when it yeah. went on
1: it was one of those things where even going back to 2020 when it, the report started to emerge that tom brady was going to sign with the bucks i was like there's no way. I've, i i grew up in tampa i grew up a bucks fan so i'm like mm-hmm. tom brady coming to tampa i was like it doesn't even seem real and over the course of two years there's still moments where you're like tom brady plays for the bucks tom brady is wearing a buccaneers uniform um, so for that to all come to an end on Gasparilla, you're like it was like almost like a two-year fever dream where you're like, the Bucks won a Super Bowl, Tom Brady was their quarterback. And then, you know, it, it's come down and you're like just and then the moment you're like, man, could have had another year. And I'm like, he can't he's going out with over five thousand passing yards and you know, forty something passing touchdowns, leading the league, having an MVP case. You're like, he had more in the tank. Um, and then of course for him to to come back, you're like, all right, you know, it makes sense. It's it's what we kind of expected all along. He had that other, he had one more year on his contract and yeah. you we're expecting him to play, you know, at his age 45 season. Um, and now, of course, you know, the, the fact that it came right on the eve of um, legal tampering period, I believe it was. And, you know, right before free agency, he's talked in recent days about, you know, kind of feeling that pressure of like, if I'm going to come back, I need to do it now so that they can have a free agency period where they bring these guys back and make decisions to build this team to win another Super Bowl, um, So, I mean, yeah, just 40 with between 40 days and 42 days, I guess, you know, once the, the aftermath uh, of him coming back, it was just a, a wild time. And again, like we mentioned with it threading in between with the Bruce Arians and, and Todd Bowles transition, it, it makes me wonder. Cause I remember after that Rams game, they asked uh, Tom Brady and he was, you know, non-committal in terms of, you know, I'll make my decision when I make my decision. Bruce Arians said after that game, now nah, I'll be back. Like I'm coming back. Why would I, why would I leave? <laughs> Um, and I kind of wonder if he knew Brady was, was on the fence about leaving. So that's why he felt so strongly about, no, I'm I'm coming back. Cause you know, he didn't want to do the, you know, transition over to his guy, Todd Bowles, when Brady is gone. And then Brady comes back, of course. And, and that, you know, is the domino that fells falls where Bruce is able to say, Hey Todd, this is your team. Here are the keys. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the one of course that you knew it was gonna be at the top of the list and yeah, it's just crazy how we're what halfway through the year now and we've had these, you know, insane moments. Uh, and we're only halfway through the year. There can be so many more uh, Yeah, exactly. We, ha-
0: we haven't we haven't even gotten to the games yet this season and I think we're going to yeah. probably add to that list that just based on what we're going to see in the opponents that the Bucks have this year. That's the scary I, part, I think. Yeah, I think with this list there's been a common theme about the timing of everything. And with Brady What was so surprising is I remember being at the Senior Bowl and um, that's when I forgot which reporter had it. But the news had broken from a reporter, not from Brady, about that he's going to retire. And then Tom Brady said, I'll address my retirement on the Let's Go podcast, the podcast that he has with Larry Fitzgerald. And then he said on that podcast, I haven't made a decision yet. And then, a couple days later, at Gasparella, then he decided to retire. So, the whole timeline of that was just bizarre in itself. Because I just remember, you know, it's Gasparella. Everyone's out. People are like, what's happening? What's going on with Brady? I'm like, I don't know. Like, he just made this (laughs) announcement. You know? And then the fact... I never thought Brady was going to retire this offseason in the first place. So, that's why I was so surprised. But... Once he retired, I was like, okay, like he's done. He's not gonna I actually thought there was a better chance of Brady retiring this offseason, than taking the year off and coming back next year, than to say that he's retired, retire for a little bit over a month, and then decide to play. So I was more surprised about that whole timeline than the fact that that he actually like did it and retired in the first place. The other thing is the butterfly effect. And you mentioned it too, with the the threat of Arians and bulls, but Brady had to come back at the time that he did because of free agency coming up. Russell Gage, I don't think comes here. If Tom Brady isn't here, Uh, Shaq Barrett doesn't resign the year before. If Tom, if he doesn't know that Tom Brady is still going to be here, Um, you know, Chris Godwin, maybe he doesn't want to resign. Same thing with Carlton Davis. Maybe they don't all want to come back. If Tom Brady's not here, Gronk doesn't even come to Tampa in the first place. Same thing with probably Leonard Fournette. So (laughs) the butterfly effect of Tom Brady come to Tampa in the first place, um, it was a huge deal. And then the retirement and unretirement is a whole nother thing in itself. I'll ask you this, Bailey. Were you more surprised that he retired in the first place or that he unretired so quickly?
1: Mm, That's a tough one. I think it would probably be that he unretired so quickly. Um, I... Toward the end of the season, I think it was actually the night before uh, the Rams game. There were some reports, I think, from like locally, like Fox Thirteen was like somebody was asking him and asking teammates about whether or not Brady was on the fence or was you know if they thought he'd be back. And I was like, why are they even asking these questions? I was like, I didn't think that was even on the table. Like I I was the first I'd heard of it. Um, And then you know you get to to game day and you get after the game. He's like, and I'll decide when that time comes. And I was like, oh, he's really thinking about it. So once I like realized he was thinking about it, I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, he's in his almost his mid forties. I know he's at the top of his game, but maybe you know he didn't go out on top of the Super Bowl, but he did go on top, of leading the league in passing, being an MVP caliber. Still, you know, leave the fans wanting more, as they'll say. Um, but then for him to unretire, as like when he did, I think that was just there was a shock value for that. I was again mm-hmm. on my couch. I think it was actually a weekend of uh, my friends' like bachelor weekend, and I had just can't come home from Orlando and tired just hanging out with the family and i get again get you know i see on twitter brady returns and i'm like I, I think i saw his tweet first which is rare you normally see like you know schefter rapaport anybody yeah i saw his tweet first and i was like is this i was like is this first is this tom brady's real account is this you know Is there a the blue <laughs> check mark there yeah um and then i'm like is this it's no it's not april fools what is like i'm looking at it um, and yeah, it, it was one of those things. And I think you think back to that moment and, you know, I don't know, it went on uh, kind of viral on Twitter, Trevor Sykema's reaction, you know, former Pewter reporter, his reaction yeah. live on their podcast. Like it was that moment where everybody think kind of had that feeling where it was just like, whoa, mm-hmm. really? Like he's back and it's been 40 days. Yeah. I think that was probably the more shocking part of it to me.
0: Shout out to Trevor. Miss him. I was talking to him recently. Obviously he got uh, engaged. So congrats again to, to Trevor on that. Yeah, there's no other way that we could end this show than with having Tom Brady retiring and unretiring <laughs> as number one. Uh, but that's going to just about do it for today's show. Thank you, everyone, uh, for watching. Just want to remind you guys again and listening to subscribe to our Pew to Report TV YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe. It helps with our algorithm. It helps football fans and Bucks fans that might not know about us or our YouTube channel. Helps them learn more about the Bucks by watching our videos uh, on Peter report TV, as long with reading our articles at peterreport.com. seniors SRS fan five comes out tomorrow. He's going to be talking a little bit about some sleepers on the box that you should be paying attention to in training camp. But we're going to talk about that a little bit for next week's show coming up. We'll have shows Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I was about to say end Friday, but no four times a week during the off season. Um, But again, this has been a great show. There's our top 10 list of the craziest things that have happened this year already for the Bucs. So for Bailey Adams, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks everyone for watching and we will see you next week for a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast.
1: Out. Out. Go Bolts.